What up, what up, King James Gossip listeners? This is Nathan Beatley, the site expert of King James Gospel, and I'm joined by contributors Jared and Kyle Hesketh. How are you guys doing? What's good? Doing good. All right, and then our guest this evening will be Dan Galinsky, another contributor for King James Gospel. How are you doing, Dan? Outstanding. All right. Well, we're uh, like usual, we're going to go over our last couple games from this past week. We copped a three-point win over Chicago, which is the far less important game than the Christmas Day showdown where we had a seven-point loss to Golden State. How do you guys feel about that game? Without mentioning the refs being complete trash, won't say it, but I said it anyways, uh, I think we played okay against the Warriors. I mean, we were both down some pretty important pieces, obviously Steph was out, IT was out, Derrick Rose was out, and Amon Shumpert was out. Uh, we shot horrible from two, just mm-hmm. completely terrible. We shot amazing from three, and we we uh, held the Warriors um, shooting, what was it, 20, yeah, 27% from three. So we held them from shooting really, really well from three, which is their bread and butter. Uh, defense looked great on both sides. Kevin Durant showed up and played amazing. My man's Kevin Love proved that he still is my man's Kevin Love. And for every listener, if you don't know, Kyle was in love with Kevin Love. No pun intended. It's an understatement. <laughs> Damn it, he stole my thunder. <laughs> LeBron seemed like he played a little too passive in this game, honestly. And um, he didn't shoot too well, but like I said, no one else did. Our bench really, really underperformed. <laughs> Only person that showed up to play was Dwayne Wade, and he didn't even shoot that well either. But hey, give the plug to Jay Crowder. Oh, Jay Crowder and Jay Crowder, that's well. right. Jay Crowder showed up and played an amazing, amazing, yeah. amazing and game. Jay Crowder has never done that well as a Cav in his life, probably. Yeah. Yep. Sure, he shot fifty percent um, from the field, sixty percent from three. He played mm-hmm. pretty great defense, and uh, yeah, I was I was impressed, even though we lost on uh, on some two poor calls from the refs. It's okay. Um, it's, it's not, nothing like, I didn't expect much from this game because like I said, we still have three pieces out and, and Steph was out. What really pissed me off about this game was the defensive effort from J.R. Smith on Clay Thompson. He seemed to get lost yeah. all the time. And what really impressed me actually defensively, even though Kyle Corbin only shot one of three from the field, uh, was his defense on Clay Thompson. I think it's because they both play uh, similar. So he, they both know how to jump screens on each other. So I think that might be something for Tyron Lue to look into on having Kyle Korver on Clay Thompson most of the games, if not all the time, whenever he's in. Okay, I don't have too much to say that hasn't been said about the games. But my thing I wanted to insert was I don't really like how the NBA does that two-minute report and then just says the officials were wrong, but you can't go back and do anything. It doesn't help anybody. Yeah, I think it just it just makes the fans more mad because we already knew that there were fouls. I right. think it was the only thing I've ever heard that I've agreed with from Draymond because he basically said that he's like, "There's no point to it." 
Right. And I agree with that. And LeBron kind of hit that too. He said, there's no point. Like, why are we using replay? If there's a foul, why are we using replay on top of that? Like you're replaying the possession, but you're not replaying the foul. Did you, do you guys hear, uh, like it wasn't that game. Well, that game too, but, uh, Jeff Van Gundy, I I can't remember specifically what game it was. I think it was the Philly game, uh, uh, with that long, like overtime game. I, I think it was like a foul where Andre Robertson was fouled under the basket. Oh, he was hacked. And, and it looked like he was stuffed, but they showed yeah. the replay. And it, was, it was clearly hitting the head. And yeah, he basically true. was saying, and that was a crucial point because he missed that layup and it looked like a Robertson or Roberson, whatever the hell his name is, like, like botched layup. You know, he doesn't like to shoot the ball kind of like DeAndre Liggins type. Yeah. And it, it looked worse than it was because he was clearly hacked. And I mean, Andrew Robertson free throws are a, obviously a crapshoot, but it's I mean, if there's a, a clear foul call, I think in the last maybe not. Obviously, we're not arguing like balls and strikes, fouls, whatever mm-hmm. kind of thing. But I think in the last two minutes, maybe maybe not of each half, maybe just the second half, they should be able to obviously take that into consideration because like like nate said with what Draymond said is is like what are they going to do about it anyway it's just but then at the same point at the same time i actually heard something i'm not sure if it was from an espn analyst or somebody else but it basically said that in the nba in the modern day nba players are so good that with every drive you can see a hand check. You can yeah. see touching the wrist, the arm. You can see a foul on every drive. So then you're going to call a lot more fouls. You're going to slow the game down. I'm not sure fans are going to like that as much, but it's accurate. So do you go with that? Well, I think like Dan said, if it's like last two minutes of the game, then why not review it? Like, but then review, I think they review like charging fouls and blocking fouls, do they not? But then it's the same with like the re- the possessions too. Why do you want to just get the last two minutes right? It's the whole game that's important. That's true, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like I mean, that was. If, I I think if if uh, LeBron drove like say second quarter and that was a play, they definitely would have called the foul. I think because of the heat of the moment and the stage of the game, like where it was at fourth quarter last minute, I don't think the refs wanted to decide the game. So I think they swallowed their whistle and they didn't want to call a foul. So you could say that as well. I do remember what you're talking about, Dan. Jeff also, Jeff Van Gundy also said it during the Warriors-Cavs game. He also said that exact same thing. If we're allowed to like review possession of ball like out of bounds or whatever, they should okay. be able to review fouls as well. And I completely agree with that. And I think they only review calls within the last two minutes of each half. I think you're right. Yeah, about I that. think that's what it was about, like the out the OB kind of issue. Yeah. Yeah. But they should be able to but, do it with fouls as well. I completely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Nonetheless, there are still some things to work on. And right. as like the game, the game itself, it was it was definitely when you shoot what thirty eight percent from the field or something, you 30, can't expect to win. Thirty one percent. Thirty one. Yeah. You yeah. can't expect to yep. win. Yep. Right. And so it was partially on us, but it definitely was a lot of it was all of us was on us. Like you can't blame the refs. You can't blame the last oh, two minutes. Not. Exactly. Right. Kevin Love. Kevin Love, Kyle. He was the best player on the floor. That's for sure. He was the best player on the floor for both teams, I think. Right. And even though we out rebounded them by ten, the 
consistent like the last few minutes of those game of the game those offensive rebounds absolutely just killed us that's and that's part of loose problem re- as well he doesn't right he doesn't it is love, part like, of loose he doesn't problem, love right having love on the floor in the last couple of yeah games. and at the same time you're totally right on that but also we had zero blocks in the game. Like, I'm sorry, like that's inexcusable. You can't block a shot at all. And you give up 30, 32 fast break points, which was the biggest issue in the finals. Like our fast break defense is solid in general, but for whatever reason against the Warriors, they we give up so many layups. I mean, Jordan Bell getting dunks, like yeah. lobs. That is Pretty all sure that guy he had at least do. He had at least like six dunks, I swear. Yeah, it I mean, felt like it at least. It well, they were at like crucial points in the game, and those kind of sort of uh, are just telltale signs in the game. I mean, he has eight points, but he's a plus three and six huge rebounds. That's tough. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot more to discuss about that game, but uh, we're gonna go ahead and move on to our two hot topics. And our second one is a bit more about the game. We'll get into that later. But our first one is the Toronto Raptors, who have silently been one of the best teams in the NBA. Obviously, we all know they're in the Eastern Conference. So do you? Uh, does anybody think they pose any type of threat to the Cavaliers or the Celtics as the top seed? Um, I'll go first. I don't think they pose a threat to the Cavs, but possibly the Celtics. Um, the Raptors... They're one of those teams that they they don't make a lot of noise, but they're they're consistently solid throughout the regular season. Third defense, and they're they have a top ten defense, but they don't have anyone that can guard LeBron. Um, I don't see them. I mean, I just especially think especially since PJ Tucker left. Yeah, I don't think they're a threat. I mean, they're a good basketball team. Don't get me wrong, but they're nothing. They're nothing we should be worried about. Well, I wanted to bring it up because ESPN, when they released their latest power rankings, ranked them over Boston, but just under us at number three. They ranked them number four. So it's kind of interesting to see, even though the one thing I was looking up about them is they're extremely deep. Ten guys with over five points per game. That's a lot. I think the addition of CJ Miles was actually like really, really good for them. I like CJ Miles a lot. And um, Kyle Lowry, he isn't scoring that much. Well, 16 points a game, but he's 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 filling the other stats, uh, the categories. He has six rebounds and seven assists, so he's having a pretty solid season. And then DeRozan, he's 24 points. You know, he's he's always going to be a scorer. And Abaka, 14 points, six rebounds. I mean, they're yeah, they're solid all around. But nothing we should be worried about. I don't think. Right. It's just. I mean, Toronto is obviously, like, not doing the typical ISO ball since they always lead the team. He's, like, in isolation percentage and, like, fewest passes per game the last two seasons. But, I mean, I, I'll give you credit, like, or give them credit in that, and obviously Ananobi has been kind of a revelation. He was, I would say, definitely was a steal, and I don't think people really saw that in Indiana. And he's really good in the open floor, and, and they're playing a little bit faster, but uh, – in the playoffs, we know the writing's on the wall in Toronto. I mean, they've never won a game one at home. Like, they, it just seems like they it's it's so much harder for them in the playoffs. They, they can't just get out and run. 
And are they a team? Like, it seems like they'll have problems whoever they're playing. They're not, they're not going to like sweep anybody. And they played, yeah. it seemed like last year they got, I mean, they lost, they beat the Bucks in six, but they got annihilated in two of those games and had to sweep by at home second game because Lowry hit some big shots. But I mean, we know that what happens with Lowry in the playoffs. He's oh, just, yeah. he just, can't find a way to get that monkey off his back and i just i don't think they have enough that you can trust them and and are we really considering them better than boston personally i don't think so but as you said i can't remember who said it they have nobody that can actually guard lebron man for man and in the playoffs he's just a different monster so i don't think i don't think yeah the raptors tend to struggle in the playoffs i mean if you want to uh ask the question if they're um a threat for the two seed, one seed in the East, I mean, you could make a case, but not for anything in the playoffs, no. All right, and I wanted to add in, they do not have a marquee win at all. Lost to Golden State, lost to, Sac- lost to San Antonio, lost to Boston. So that also adds in, but I just wanted to clear that up. Kyle, do you have any take on the topic? I mean, it's it's all kind of the same. I don't. I really don't see them as that big of a threat. Come playoff time, not really. Um... I mean, DeMar DeRozan is always doing his thing, and he surprisingly added a three-point shot, so that could be something to look at. Lowry's numbers are down. Like like Dan and Jared said, it's no more iso ball, so it's kind of cool that they're actually getting more of their players involved. CJ Miles was a big pickup, but they have a lot of young talent, and from what we've seen uh, in, in recent history, or just in history in general, young players don't do well in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I do know what you mean. All right. So I just wanted to get uh, that quick hot topic out of the way. Our second hot topic is uh, is definitely interesting. It relates to our Christmas Day game. We had two guys, two people that make over $10 million a year, obviously struggle. Mm-hmm. Tristan Thompson, two points, 0 for 4, and J.R. Smith, 0 for 5 from the field, 0 for 4 from 3. If they're unplayable against Golden State, how do we gauge their value moving into the trade deadline? I'll start off with this one. Um, last podcast, I remember I I pointed out that I wanted to see three people. I was I was interested to see three people play against the Warriors, and it was Kevin Love, Jay Crowder, and J.R. Smith. And obviously, Kevin Love did his thing. Jay Crowder did his thing. But J.R. Smith really, really disappointed me. It seems almost that he, he fails to – I don't even know. He – I don't know the word, but he doesn't play well against the Warriors. And like you said, the question. Okay, so J.R. Smith, this this is uh, kind of confusing. I said his cons- his inconsistency makes him very hard to trade. He can be a key piece for the Cavs when he's on. When he's on offensively and he's on defensively, he is a very important piece for the Cavs. But when he is off and his confidence is down, and he doesn't play defense, he's he's almost unplayable. So I think J.R. Smith in general would be very hard to trade. But Double T, on the other hand, he's not doing anything for me. He's making over $16 million a year to grab around, around six rebounds a game. He Last year in the finals, he was out-rebounded by Steph Curry. So I think with his salary and uh, – and the fact that he still has two or three more years. Right. I think with his contract, I think he could be dealt somewhere else, and I, I'd be perfectly fine with it, to be honest with you. See, I want, the one thing I also wanted to kind of add in is 
Do you think that trading J.R. Smith, if you're going to say that, do you think that trading Smith, if you can find a partner, would be smart? Because isn't J.R. Smith and LeBron James close? Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It depends who we get for him. That's like his inconsistency makes him very hard to trade, which is... But you also can't can't really bench him. I feel like he's almost got too much pride to get benched. Yeah, I mean, if, if... I mean, worst worst comes to worst, Lou could start Corver, move Jared to the bench, but I don't see that happening or working out. So it's it's kind of, I don't know. Jr. is in a very weird spot, I'd say. In all honesty, I never had any value for Double T in my mind. He just he was, <laughs> you were he, say he, that. Was, he was never that great of a player in my eyes. I mean, he had a few good moments in the finals a couple years ago, and he played pretty well, but. In my eyes, he's a very overrated defender, and he's he's one of those rebounders that it's all about hustle, and it's nothing's technical. So sometimes he will get out rebounded by better and more technical rebounders. And with Jr., I love Jr. Smith. Don't get me wrong, but because of his inconsistency and how he defended on Christmas Day, like the fact that Kyle Korver defended Clay Thompson better than Jr. Smith did. And in Kyle Korver's not as athletic as he is is kind of telling. So and Smith ended with 31 minutes compared to Korver's 21. Right. Uh, but in in terms of their trade value, uh, because of how much they're making and how bad they played in Jr. Smith's uh, case and in Double T's case, how, how not much, how, how little he's played this year, they just don't hold a lot of trade value for for other teams and there's not a lot of want for other people unless you're just trying to dump a player. So maybe when it gets closer to the trade deadline, you can package those two for, and, and another, maybe the pick or another player like Shepard or Fry, we might be able to get them off our books, but not like, I don't know. They just make a lot of money. That's not appealing for other teams. So do you think that's a rule of thumb for the Cavs now? If you can't, if you're not effective against Golden State, because J.R. Smith has had good games. Right. Tristan that's, Thompson that's has saying. had good games before. Maybe not necessarily against Golden State, but... 2016 finals, both of them like were key pieces to us winning. But last year in the finals, I mean, J.R. went off in game, what, five? And that's when the Cavs... He had good games in three, four, and five. But that's when the Cavs were literally taking shots away from Kevin Love and trying to get him shots in the first quarter because he wasn't doing anything else. Like, you had to literally try to get him open for shots. Yeah, it's it's just hard to... Uh, you guys hit the nail on the head when they're making the trade value kind of dries up and, and considering that they're not on, like, expiring deals or anything, nobody's going to be able to kind of... You, you can't just dump them. And, and JR is... Is too. He's kind of like too old, where he, he doesn't really fit timetables. Yeah, he's and in his 30s already. He's at his 30s, and Jr. Smith. Uh, it's just like he doesn't even. He's just got such a rudimentary handle, and it seemed like earlier in his career when he was kind of that that bench six man sort of like spark plug on like Denver. I could just picture when he's dunking over people New in New York and that sort of thing, like. He's just – he's it, confidence is such, like, a thing with J.R. Smith. And yeah. and exact, another thing is uh, 
I think what Jared said with Tristan Thompson, uh, exactly. He's not really like people say he's a rim protector. He's really not a rim protector. And people, he, people finish over him in the restricted area. People don't like not attack the paint because Tristan Thompson's there. Like that's not the case. I mean, Mozgov was a lot better defender and rim protector. And he, he was actually kind of an underrated piece in that 2016 um, run. And J.R. Smith, going back to him, like the, the defense is uh, Simon Hannig wrote about it, uh, an article today that was published that, it, or I think it was yesterday actually that he should be traded. But when he's not, it seems like his defense is predicated on just defending spot up players and catch and shoot players. And he doesn't like, he, he seems like he's regressed defensively. It seems like he's all, he uses his hands too much and he's not, he doesn't like get over on the pick and roll and he, he gets caught in pin downs. He got yeah. caught in a lot of pin downs today or on Christmas day rather. And it's just, you don't see consistent. I don't know if it's effort. Uh, there's just mental lapses with him. And if Tristan Thompson's not getting you double rebounds and, and uh, frankly, like, like a hot, really high clip, then his, his value is the, is almost meaningless, but I, he's a, he's younger. So his trade value might be a, a little bit, um, a little bit more than Smith, but it, the guy can't make a, a shot really outside the restricted area. So how are you going to actually realistically trade these guys? It's hard to, hard to say. Yeah, it would be easier to trade Double T over J.R. Smith, but I don't even know if I would want to trade J.R. Smith. You know what I mean? Like he's he can be that important to the Cavs, and then but sometimes he can be almost invisible on the court. That's what makes it hard. But that's right. kind of the point is, especially against Golden State, it seems like Smith is put into the grinder and he cannot play at times. Yeah. And are you gonna have Lou just continually give a guy thirty minutes where he can't really produce? Or would you rather just get your, just rid yourself of that situation in general? Obviously, I don't think Smith gets traded. There's no one's begging uh, for Smith. Can, can I ask it. you? Can I ask one thing, uh, Nathan? Uh, that's a good point you just made. But uh, would you would you say like Shump is playable with Golden State? I personally would. I uh, I, I was feel looking, like he's sort of the same. I would well personally. I would rather have Crowder on the court at all times over over either of them. Oh, yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's because Shumpert, Shumpert's very inconsistent offensively. Same with Smith. And oh, yeah. Crowder, Crowder, while he's not very consistent either, he makes smart decisions. Oh, I was yeah. looking up today, 92% of Crowder's shots are either open or wide open. That, that's under 75% for Shumpert and Smith. Crowd, and Crowder doesn't turn the ball over. He doesn't shoot just five threes a game. He can actually attack the hole if he wants to. He rebounds. There's just so many things he does that almost makes him the better option than Shumpert. And in the finals, there's only going to be seven, eight rotational players. amount of spots. And especially you're going to have to see if Derrick Rose comes back. I would, I would, have, I would rather have Kyle Korver on the court than either of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, but that's I mean, the point where you got to get to. Porter is, is, has completely maximized like every inch of his, like his ability, being uh, of his that man, being. That yeah, man cannot there, get yeah. better. He yeah, does not have the athleticism to get better, and he cannot shoot better. Shooting cannot get better. 
the thing is, if if you look at athleticism, it's he is probably the worst defender on our roster, other than Isaiah Thomas, just because he's so because his height. I mean, he can't really do much. But Corver gets like defending spot, spot ups, and he just puts so much effort in, and he makes right. so many little like deflections, and he's honestly a pretty solid rebounder. Fundamentally, he's a great yeah, defender. He's, yeah. He never has mental lapses, and that's invaluable against a, a, a team as good as Golden State and even uh, uh, in Boston as well. And uh, he always seems to carve up Toronto. I'm not sure exactly why, but he just finds a way to just maximize his talent. And I mean, he's leading us in plus minus by a considerable margin, really. Yeah, so. yeah. Let me add one more thing for game. If you like, when you watched offensively, his defense is like it's nothing. He's like not even there. And Corver, he didn't have a very good game. He only scored one basket, but he he consistently played very good defense on Clay Thompson. So it doesn't seem like one basket is still more than Jr.'s none. That's true. All right. Well, those are two hot topics for the week. Anybody have anything else to add to there? No. All right, we're going to move on real quick, though. We're going to play, uh, we're going to introduce a new game this time. We're going to play a game called What Are the Odds? You've probably heard of it. We're going to play, um, give me your odds 50%, whatever you're feeling. What are the odds Cleveland makes a trade before the deadline? Which it's kind of interesting this year because they don't really need any role players. So it's almost a superstar or no trade. So what are your odds? I don't know. That's tough. I'll say like one in three, one in two. I don't know. I don't, I don't see us making a trade at all. I mean, I think, I think we'll have enough pressure on us to get it back into the, back into you know, back into the lineup and flowing and all that. I think that would, that would just put too much pressure on the Cavs. I don't see us making a trade. Not even, uh, so you're saying trade deadline sometime in February. February 8th, I believe. You're saying February 7th, if L.A. calls up the phone and says, we'll give you Jordan for your first and Thompson. Oh, you, well, you, then if L.A. calls, then yeah. But but that's what you got to That's what you gotta think. L.A. could call because well, DeAndre's not staying. Well, but DeAndre Jordan, you don't really have to get him into, like, you don't have to, you don't have to, like, incorporate him that much because he's an alley-oop guy and he's a rebounder. And a, and a shot blocker and all that stuff. He doesn't need shots. Like, if you want to go for a Paul George, that would be tough. Exactly. But personally, if I had to gauge, like, if we're playing a game like what are the odds or something like that, I'm going, like, one in three. Because I really think that it's – I think that over the last two seasons we've made a trade, and I think that we will make a trade of some type. Whether it be for just a role player, I think DeAndre Jordan's on the move. I don't think Paul George is on the move. But I and I don't think Cousins is on the move, but jo- Jordan will end up somewhere else. I'll give and 50, players fifty percent. You're right, fifty percent. One and two. Yeah. All right, Kyle. What are you thinking? I don't think we'll go around calling for a trade, but I think if the right trade comes our way, so like like you said, if DeAndre Jordan maybe comes, uh, come comes knocking on our door, uh, then we could. So I'll, I'm with Jared. Probably about one and two, fifty percent. That's not bad. It's probably what uh what I would think, maybe even a bit less, because I'm not sure I'm not sure we would give the best value for Jordan or really any superstar. 
honestly, I feel like Boston could give anybody else a much better uh, array of future assets. Well, the way it's looking, LA isn't looking too hot anyways. They might want to, they might decide to blow everything up. So if, I'll say this, if um, the Cavs make a trade, I could see DeAndre Jordan being, being the guy. All right, Dan, what do you think about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, DJ is definitely a, I mean, he's, the thing is we're, we give up the most threes per game and our paint defense is, is pretty terrible too. And he at least helps with like one of those areas, I would think. I mean, offensively, at least he gets you boards and he, he's at least efficient, but I mean, yeah, that's that seems to be like if if there's a star, that's pretty much the tell all be all at this point. Yeah. But I, I just don't know if if we really have the assets for that. And I, honestly, I could say maybe us trying to get like a lower tier, maybe like a Dwayne Dedman. Uh, he seems to be kind of flying around in in some trade rumors here and there. As as Atlanta's eventually gonna try to blow things up a little if they can with like Bellinelli, but uh, I'd say maybe like a, maybe even less, maybe like one in three, maybe like a, around a 35% gentleman's 35% give or take. But yeah, I I don't see us really trying to get a PG or anybody. Nobody wants to have to deal with like the OKC predicament. And and with LeBron, he's more of a a team guy. Not that Russell Westbrook isn't and, I don't, I don't know about Mello, honestly, on that one, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I don't see like anybody other than like a rim protector, yeah. uh, role man type guy. That that's really the only guy is DJ. I would think. I don't see us really trying to jump in like the Anthony Davis boogie sweepstakes. I feel like that ship yeah, sailed. Agreed. All right, so with that, we're going to go to a next segment or a next little game that's fairly common we did it last week it's would you rather so would you rather trade for a capable shooting guard or a capable shock blocking center well we kind of went over that just then um okay so at this point in the season we're almost at the all-star break we're almost at the trade deadline the way the Cavs are constructed and how everything's going we have to bring back isaiah thomas we have to bring back Derek Rose, we have to bring back Shumpert, all those minutes and all the, um, yeah, all that stuff. It, I think it'd be really tough to bring in another guard, per se. So I think, for, well, that's one of the reasons I think we should um, trade for a shot blocker instead of a guard. But then again, we'd have to move Kevin Love to the floor. So a trade would make things complicated. But if I had to choose between one of them, it'd be a shot blocking center. But I, I think I'd have to go with the shooting guard because of how poorly <laughs> wow. Jay Har has been playing at the shooting guard. Uh, I do understand what you're saying, but if, if we get a shooting guard that's just a spot-up shooter that can also play D, I don't even know if there's one out there right now outside of Clay Thompson, maybe. But that's just that's just how I feel. I do understand what you guys are saying about a shot blocking. Uh, yeah, I just think the if you try to get in, like bringing in a shot blocking center just seems like the logical way to go. Right. And you wouldn't have to blow it up as much, so to speak. And I mean, you never know. Jr. could have like he he's like fire in a bottle. Eventually, he can light up like here and there. 
And sometimes he can defend really well if he's feeling like it and our, our blitzing schemes work, which it seems like they're really like a crapshoot whether that works. And I just, I don't know if Colby Altman is going to want to deal away as much to get like a Paul George or somebody like that. And knowing he'd have to give up, like there'd be like no backup plan sort of thing. So and I don't think really like getting one guard, obviously with IT coming back and, and D Rose maybe playing. I, I don't know with him, but um, yeah, the center, like it at least alleviates some of the paint defense issues. I mean, if you just look at it here, the Cavs are 21st in paint defense and the Clippers are fifth. So DeAndre Jordan, honestly, like adds at least deters like a Kevin Durant drive or forces forces away like altering shots from not letting like Bell just get four dunks in a game. Like those plays, even though they're only two points, they uh, are momentum swingers and the Cavs just always seem to give up those easy buckets against the Golden State and like Brad Stevens might be able to take advantage of some of our paint defense issues, that sort of thing. And I don't think getting like, I don't really see any guards on the market that are two way players. I mean, Jordan Clarkson, I don't think they're going to make a deal with us because of our kind of lack of assets and there's just teams more quit. So I would probably go with the shop blocking center if possible. Agreed. See, it's not that I'm a hundred percent against that. <laughs> it's just that I'm not a hundred percent for that. I think it all depends on the value. All depends on what we can get for what we have. Because there are shooting guards that I wouldn't mind getting a hold of. I wouldn't mind getting Fournier. I wouldn't yeah. mind JJ Redick. Well, That's I don't think happening. we get Redick. JJ I, likes his home in Philadelphia for sure. I don't think he wants to leave there. Longer. I'm just saying that would be amazing having Redick and Corver on the court at the same time. Oh, my God. That's my but, what I'm actually saying is that I feel like Fournier could hop in that first unit and it gives them another another threat, another volume score because Smith Smith may make a couple tough shots a night, but when was the last time he really hit 20 points back to back? Like Smith is is so inconsistent that I almost don't want to play him. Yeah. Right. Which is, what about we we try to get this guy? Um, we tried to get this guy in the off season. What about Jonathan Simmons? I thought he signed. Did he only sign a one year deal? I thought he signed a three year deal. I don't know what he signed. I, mean, I don't think we get him because I think the Magic think that they got a deal with him. That's, right, that's I don't kind of think they're gonna deal a six million dollar contract that Simmons has. I think. I don't know what it is, but uh, that was just a. Well, it's it's kind of like us. It's kind of like us dealing Crowder. We're never going to deal Crowder because he's only making six million a year, and that's amazing. Yeah. See, but with that's a good point with Simmons. But offensively, Simmons is like another Jeff Green. Like it's he'll occasionally make uh, an open three. But Jeff Green, honestly, I, I'm a big Jeff. Green. I think he should be starting here and there because of the the size ability. But like. Jonathan Simmons is literally all transition. That's that's the only thing he does. So, and he's much, a, and he's a really product of the system. Play, 
Do we want to play up tempo with Golden State? No, we want to no. walk the ball no. down the floor. So right. he's kind of like neutralized against Golden State in a way. Well, if like, you're if you're tied around Lou, you want to push the pace as fast as you can. You know? <laughs> Which yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, Jeff Green. That'd be in, that'd be interesting if he. You know, slid into the starting lineup at the three, Crowder at the two, or even at the two. I mean, we got a lot of versatile players. That'd be interesting. All right, so that's uh, pretty much what we got as far as content for this week. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. We're going to do our 21 Shump Street pick of the weeks now. As you know, last week, as long as the Cavaliers beat the Kings, I was the only one that got them all right. Jared and Kyle both predicted a Warriors loss on Christmas Day, and I said that the Warriors would win. So there's that. So I'm going in 3-0, and hopefully. And we have three games this week. We have away December 30th against Utah. We have home January 2nd versus Portland. And then we have a back-to-back January 3rd against Boston away. How do you guys view that playing out? I say we beat Utah. We lose to Portland, and we destroy Boston. All right. Kyle? I say we beat Utah, we lose to Portland, and then we lose to Boston because LeBron doesn't play. Oh, my God. He has to play. It's ESPN. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a mandated game. Right, yeah. right knee soreness. <laughs> All right, LeBron. You heard it here first. Right knee soreness, LeBron, January 3rd. Oh man! All right, I think uh, I think I'm going win, win, win all across the board. All right, Dan, uh, Dan, you won't be here next week probably. But what are you guessing? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'll go. I'm actually gonna say we lose to Utah. I, I don't like. I hate that matchup. Honestly, they, they have like a weird. They have like that really small jammed in arena. It feels like it's like a college arena. I feel like you're playing at Butler in there. So I'm gonna say that's a loss and. Uh, I say we. I think we'll destroy Portland. I just feel like we can bully them a little bit. LeBron will probably bounce back, and and it seems like uh, he's been I'll, playing I'll, every game, like every game, all forty-eight minutes. Like he doesn't. He's, he's playing like a grueling kind of style too. Even though he's not getting the line as much, like which is BS. But he's yeah, he's getting a little bit physically beaten up, yeah, or I guess he's beating up other people, whatever. But he needs to take some rest. Yeah, and I'll say, I'll say we, yeah, I'll say we narrowly beat Boston because I feel like Kyrie will be on a mission. He'll get like forty, but it won't matter. So this, I'll say, I'll say three or two and one. Sorry. So two and one. Yep. So none of us picked the same order. So we got to see how that works out for next week. Hold on, hold on. I'm gonna change that real quick. No, it's already submitted. Already submitted. You can't change it. You can't change it. You can't change it. Already submitted. I already changed it. Why? What did you want to change it to? Win, 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 or win, 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 loss? Win, win, loss. Yeah, win, win, loss. Just because I, I said LeBron's not going to play, so I'm, he's obviously going to. We're, we're going to win that. That game against Portland. I'm cool with it. All right, and that's all we got here for King James Gossip. That's our second episode, and we hope you come back Thursday morning next week as we'll probably be premiering another episode. Thank you.